Before we start, I just want to point out that we have got a new version of Freud's text, the Schreiber book. That's you know, if you want, if anybody was interested in the in the shop, it's uh, it's a jolly good read. Hundred years of paranoia. Yeah, that sort of thing. Hundred years. Yeah, the centenary copy. I don't think this one's in the. This is the. This yeah, is the no, we have that in. You've got it. I mean, we were used to. I've seen the other day one. This is the new. This is the new edition from 2000. Well, we, we forgot to mention that uh, tonight uh, there's a special display of the original copy that Freud uh, read. No, yeah. so in the hall. So it was the original yeah, copy so uh, in German. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we should have a look at that. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You saw the cover of it at the beginning. It's open on, you know, you should have a proper look. Okay, so... Perhaps we just start saying something a little bit about Schreber. Who was Schreber? Maybe you would like to say a few things about Schreber. Why Daniel Pusch Schreber? Well, I kind of first encountered the text from this other text by Michel de Sauteur, which is called The Institution of Rot. Uh, some of you might already know that I kind of appropriated that title. Um, it was always a kind of maybe secret, if you like, where we got that from. You know, we had a space in London which is now gone, which was called the Institution of Rock, taken from that text by de Sauter. And the first, uh, the first exhibition, performance, installation that we did in the house, we used uh, that quote during the night, one single night, which you saw at the end there. Uh, and which was spoken as uh, as a kind of indicator of a kind of strange uh, mixture of uh, a obviously a kind of uh, a way to think about uh, sound and voices. This was a, an installation that we that incorporated sound in, in a particular environment in a house. But it was a very you see it seemed a very odd uh, mixture of something which was very disturbing. Uh, this voice talking. Um, but also something in the text which was there was a, a sort of uh, a, a pleasure there that this voice was speaking, but the words were speaking directly to him, rotten person, luda, which also means uh, like whore or slut, and that's uh, quite a key um, reference in the text. But there was also some kind of idea of pleasure in this experience, in this uh, sensory experience that Schreiber was, was going through. I'll just interrupt you for a sec. It's just because the first thing I wanted to ask, I just wondered if who actually felt pleasure watching the performance and listening to the performance. Did anybody get a lot of pleasure from that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the reason why I asked is because I did, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I just want you know, I think there must be a couple of other people. I'm not going to sort of fellow Shreverians. Yeah, no, but is it that? Is it? I mean, I felt, because being with Richard, it's like, uh, I mean, I'm also a sort of Wagnerian, and the kind of different. There was some Wagner in the piece. There's a bit of Tannhauser, yeah. which is yeah, from yeah. the book. It's quoted yeah. in the book. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted to treat it like um, like this concept of an, ear, an earworm, where you have something which is stuck in your head you can't get rid of. Yeah. So I'm very consciously using uh, sounds. Uh, what drew me to the book 
initially was the, the strange language. This is a German judge, which is now we would say he was a transsexual, transvestite. But for him, it was, a, it was a completely mystical experience what he was going through. This is a German judge which had a very high position. I forgot what I was going to say now, but I think it was to the point. Text, text yeah, you, 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 we're drawn into the text because it's uh, it's such a strange such a strange work. I mean, I've approached the the text initially as an artist working with performance and objects, and there are a lot of things in the text which um, Schreber has particular names or words for for particular kind of things that are happening to him. It's a delusional system. You have to enter into the delusional system and then you understand that the, the sun is speaking to him through rays and then these rays are divine nerves. He is, he imagines and he thinks it's definitely very real that he's turning into a woman. So it's, it's, a, kind of, it's a kind of performance. It's a very, it's a kind of spiritual work. And I guess now, looking, if we read that text now, we can see it almost as a kind of new age experience. Um, one of the reasons that he was he got out of the asylum is that he the final asylum he was in is that he wrote this book and he, he wanted to detail his experiences because he was he detailed, detailed them so well the judges uh, um, you know rescinded his tutelage which is the German word for like being uh, sectioned if you like and he was released. And then he published I mean, it's that kind of incredible thing where somebody can have a complete mental collapse. So f for two years, Schreiber's in a kind of catatonic state. And that quote that you use where he's yeah, living yeah. without, you know, without a oh, stomach, yeah. with tawny esophagus, without the lung, with broken ribs, with, you know, this whole sort of awful state that he's in, and this, the, the, these sort of bodily tortures that are going in his head. And he's sort of catatonic. And then he's able to write this book, go through a whole legal case, and get himself out of the asylum. So he's kind of, so, so you know, you have this complete mental collapse and this schizophrenic kind of recovery in a way. Mm. And his intelligence is not affected. I mean, he's completely mad. And completely, you know, one of the most intelligent people you're ever going to meet. You know, yeah. you can tell that from there, and the fact that he, he did that. But he details so well this kind of like uh, sensory and auditory kind of hallucinations. And of course, now I, I've sort of approached the work in the last uh, ten years. I think I've been trying to trying to find a way to deal to do to do this work. How to think about doing it? Initially, I thought about doing a a, a one a one-off reading of the text over one one night. You know, and then you would allow maybe uh, sounds to come in. And then I thought, which maybe prompts maybe your next question, I thought of it more as a kind of a, a radio piece or a radio drama, but not like a, a German Horspiel, which is very, which is a very kind of, uh, it's a kind of fixed format, but something which is much more kind of disruptive. Yeah, you said to me that uh, radio, I mean, the idea of the radio show is not very much imagining Schreiber as a both as a receiver and transmitter, like a radio, and uh, yeah. and uh, perhaps you would like to, to explain more this idea of, of the ray and the, the interferences. This word in in German which Sturm, is Sturm. Sturm. You have this uh, word repeated, but 
many many times. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 I mean, the interferences for him is something which is somehow stopping him from getting in touch with God or the divine. So they're, they're, you know, there's, they're also, they're also a kind of, a kind of mental aberration too. You see, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for an artist maybe to pick up on, shall we say, the negative things that are in the book. But I think the negative things can also be the positive things as well in this text. So it's like, you know, how to approach this work. How to celebrate this work, if you like, through 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 another through another artwork. And I mean, I I think I was approaching the work as an as an artwork or as a literary text, rather than a psychoanalyst or someone like that. It's interesting. I've just been at a conference, which is a hundred years of paranoia, which is uh, focused on Schreber, and it was held at Solestein, which is the asylum where he was for the last. Uh, was it seven years, wasn't it? Or not? Was it nine years? Nine. nine years. And there's a lot of things that came up in that conference, and a lot of people were saying, you know, well, what, what do we want from Schreiber? What do we get from Schreiber? But I would like, to, I would like to say, what can we give? You know, can we, can we love this book? Can we love this, this man? And I think, you know, this work is in a sense a kind of, um, a kind of embrace. As an artist to another, I have to say, I did. I, did, artist, yeah, yeah, I, did so, I mean, I had done this little, a little video that I mentioned to you about the Schreiber case, and um, I showed see. it, which you, well, I will show you, and I showed it to a, a Schreiber scholar called Han Israel, who probably was at yes. this conference, I would have thought. No, he wasn't there. No, he, oh, he wasn't, wasn't there. No. He wrote a book called Schreiber, Father and Son, and there's been a whole discourse about Schreiber's father, who was. Uh, in a very important uh, educationalist called Daniel Gottlob Moritz Schreiber, who now has, uh, in Germany, has Schrebergarten, named after him, at a children's playground. So he was a kind of somebody who was an educationalist. But part of his technique was to use all those instruments that you saw pictures of to keep you sitting up straight or... You know, yeah, things to manacle your hands. And, like this, yeah. So, so there was a device that you And things that like came this. around and clamped your head still, and things to stop you masturbating, and things to, you know, so the whole kind of education. And of course, after Freud, other psychoanalysts looked at the case and said, well, of course, you know, a lot of Schreiber's delusions correspond to the tortures that his father was actually, you know, inflicting on him as a. As a Child, so um, and a whole race of German children from that time. Yeah, but interestingly, uh, Han Israel's is kind of arguing against that and sort of taking the dad's side a bit more. And as a, as a dad myself, I tend to go in that direction. Well, when well. I was at the conference, I met a I met a relative. I didn't tell you this, but I oh, met right. a relative, not from the well from the Schreiber family, but yeah. from the Jung family. Oh, right. Not not the Jung Gustav yeah. Jung, but another Jung. And she, would, and she came down one day, we were, we were having breakfast, and I'd, I'd seen her, and she said, she started talking to me. And then I said, well, who are you? And she said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a relative. And it's, it's terrible what they say about the father. The father, he was oh, all right, you know. Moritz Gottlob, Schreiber. You know, if you want to check out his book, it's called... Um, Medical indoor gymnastics. I mean, he basically started the craze for you know, you know, 
calisthenics and, and, and probably there's physical a, jerks. Probably there's it? a fetish club somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's sort of a wrong athlete territory, kind of. <laughs> devices, things that lift you up. Yeah, absolutely. Completely forgot what I was So we have any questions, <laughs> maybe? Maybe um, questions? Responses? Yeah, mm -hmm. Adam? Uh, yeah, I'd just like to ask how long was Brain Berin's um, institutions he was incarcerated? Was it like, like over 10 years? And, and I'd like to know how old was he when he was finally released? Or, um, uh, I think 52 when he went in. First of all, so he he'd basically he had a, he'd had some kind of nervous breakdown yeah. earlier, which was sort of hypochondriac. Yeah, and which which was cured, and it was cured by Paul Stasig, who yeah. who became the kind of devil incarnate in the later delusions, and then uh, and then he got this job. So he was the second most important judge in Germany in Saxony right. at that time. He got you know amazing promotion the youngest person ever to have this post. And, and six weeks later, he, he had this sort of complete mental collapse. Uh, oh, is it now? <laughs> oh, sorry. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go from such heights to such levels. Yeah. But talking and, um, of, yeah. and then he was in you know, the various asylums for about nine years, I think. But then he got himself out. He had some time with his wife. And then did she die? She died, and then I think he went into an asylum. And then and after that, and died after in that he died in the asylum, you know, in another asylum. But the text on the back we, 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 we chose because it's, a, it's actually a christening speech that he wrote for his stepdaughter. But talking so about age, I think it's a quite interesting question because Freud never met uh, Schreber, so he based his text completely on the memoir. But there is a note in the Freud text where he said the only element that I gather, which was not in the memoir but in the real life, was actually the age of uh, Schreber at the moment of the asylum. There was 51. And then there is all the interpretation why that note was important and an old kind of double relationship of Freud writing this text about Schreber but also reflecting on his own experience as well. So in fact we choose, here in this leaflet we choose uh, a, a quote from Freud where it seems that uh, he perceived voices as well. Uh, so we know very little about this, this paper and we were not sure if to actually publish on the leaflet but in a sense we like the idea to kind of uh, have these two quotes like in a same, at the same level, and, you know, so. Yeah, you, you've reminded me what I was thinking. Yeah. Because Freud obviously also identified with Schreiber. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think and love the is the right word. You have to, yeah, in a sense, love Schreiber, you know, for some reason. And so, you know, presumably you have to know you're a little bit mad, you know. So the first <laughs> time I showed this video to Han Israel, was the first question he asked was, do you have hallucinations? Do you have, you know, it's like, I feel like asking you, you know, do, you know, what's the kind of basis for, you know, do you hear voices? Well, I think, you know, I think we'll experience that more and more now. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, um, 
if you think the level of uh, schizophrenic sound that is, you know, that is around us all, you know, his voice is talking to us in the supermarket, you know, and there's um, there's a lot more writing about it, this in auditory, an auditory culture, you know. I think doing a work like this somehow allows you to enter into that space um, of oral auditory hallucination and somehow kind of it's a way to kind of uh, maybe I mean if people suffer from tinnitus maybe this is a way to kind of relieve yeah. the fact that you know he's blocking out these sounds and also in, in the text of Schreber these voices that, he, he's, that, are, that are constantly creating this babble in his head the only way that he can somehow get these his voices out is by playing the, the piano very very loud and shrieking and bellowing and he calls this the bellowing miracle <laughs> and it's got all these ways um, so well, you, you've yeah. got to picture the scene as well with I mean Schreber is you know the second most important judge in Germany he's in a private asylum he's he's on a par with the head of the asylum he goes to dinner with the, you know, with the head of the asylum and his family, and he's impeccably mannered, apart from his bellowing, you know, at dinner. So it's like, you know, so he'd be having dinner, and then suddenly he'd, you know, have this sort of bellowing outburst, you know, and <laughs> with some kind of expletive, and you know, so you know, yeah. the voices will be saying things like, you know, fancy a high court judge allowing himself to be fucked. Yeah, you know, so to be, you know, so to be sort of. Why, why do you not then shit? Yes, why? Yeah, because you're too <laughs> stupid, it, perhaps. But, it's, you know, but it says it in such a way. It's in, it's in the book. It, it's like it's slowed down. So the voices are slowed down. Like what the kind of effect you would get if you would slow a tape down. So this is he's hearing all these things, and it's like the fact that it, it's almost like um, what hap what would later happen in. Um, in, in Kurt Schwitters' work, you know, in Sonata and, and things like that, and, and Henri Chopin and Concrete Poetry. I mean, it's all there. There's, there's lots of things in that book which you think, you know, this is like a performance, or, you know, this is like Bruce Nauman's work going, you know. But, well, except that would only occur. I mean, how did you get from the text, and it's the text where Schreiber has the intention of explaining himself. Yeah. It's all about meaning, yeah. the text. You know, he's explaining Can he identify the people who he's screaming about? I mean, are they his sisters or brothers or father? The, well, no, because it's all connected to the he delusion. Can't identify any of them. Well, it's, it's, it's parts of God. So he has this kind of delusional sense of, of God with these various parts of the anterior and posterior God. It's God and the rays coming. And, they, and, and the rays would have various kind of, you know, they might rep be represented as insects or different animals and or birds. Talk, or so. talking birds. Yeah, so, so it's, these are the which, figures that he shower the poison. I mean, it could be quite a hazard, you know, presumably he's walking around in a supermarket and bellowing away. <laughs> well, if he suddenly bellows, people would, yeah, yeah, it's, it's right. true. Perhaps you want to say something about how you structure in this work. I mean, you work very much in chapter, don't you? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've approached, I've sort of in interested in some of the sounds and the noises that are sort of embedded in the text. And this is kind of what got me interested in thinking about almost, I mean, you, you, you know, the way we, that's been put together is, is somehow to like make a kind of um, a film or a collage. 
where these things can come in or maybe they can come out. I mean, I don't think there's a definitive performance of this work. You know, I think it, it could be one of like Stockhausen's eight hour pieces, you know. There's so many things in it that, that you know, you could extend. There's only certain kind of things that I chose to give an impression of a kind of journey, almost like a kind of soundtrack. Does, does everybody um, know a, a Stockhausen piece called Stimmung? You know Stimmung? Mm, yeah. so, so, you know, that's what it reminded me of, in a way, and also the, the Licht theory. Yeah, I mean, he, talk, he talks about the Sonnenstein castle as the, the devil's castle. And he, then he talks about a soul speaking to him as, as um, t in talking about this idea of the fossilization, which is really interesting. Now, this place where I was, Sonnenstein Castle, in Pernau, near Dresden, where the asylum is, there's also a memorial there because um, the Nazis had a euthanasia program called T4 in 1940 and 41 where they exterminated disabled people, mentally ill people, people suffering from multiple sclerosis. And they, the Germans, Germans. Are the hospitals still there now? Yeah, yeah, there's a, no, <laughs> no, no, there's a memorial there. Oh, and the building itself is there as a hospital? Yeah, I mean, where the, no, not the hospital, but the, the gas chambers, are, you know, they're gone, but right. you can go down there and you can see them, there's a museum there, there's a small exhibition. What about it. in Berlin? Is that, is that still there? Uh, Tiergarten 4. I'm not sure what's there. What's happened there? Like but um, it's, it's a very strong experience to be there. It's a very strong experience. And uh, Zvi Lothan, who, was, is, who we, who we uh, was wrote a book called In Defense of Schreber, Soul Murder, um, said that if Schreber had lived to 98, he would have died there in that um, program of euthanasia. I mean, the, the Nazis made um, propaganda films about it. They made one romantic propaganda film. I mean, it was it is actually it's an interesting thing that in the very moving. Uh, yeah, have gone, but in in the battle of the nerves that are coming from God, there are Aryan nerves and. Other kind, you know. Yeah. So, so this whole, the whole sort of Nazi kind of ideology is sort of played out, you know, pre-Nazi, obviously, because this is in, you know, published in 1902 and 1903. Um, but it's there, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of writing about that. Eric Santner's book, mm. which is called My Private Germany. I have, course, I have yeah, a book yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, we've got it. He's written a lot about that. So it's like saying, you know, this. How you, you can also think of this text as a, as a kind of uh, an alarm, you know, for what would come, you know. Yeah. Well, the other uh, autobiography that follows Schreiber is that about paranoia is <coughs> about is from Hitler, isn't it? That's right, Mein Kampf, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. I want to ask, um, you use the piece uh, uh, from Wagner, what's yeah. the relationship between um, your performance and, you know... Um, Why did I use that piece yeah, of music? Yeah. Well, it's, it's in the text. Um, Schreiber refers to it. And um, 
it's for me it's 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 you know it's part of the material that's in the book it's the sound um see if we can find a passage i mean he's using it as a kind of um, a quotation i mean he also you know he also references something from don giovanni and certain kind of um I should say that Freud, who, who's notoriously unmusical, <laughs> also references Don Giovanni, who he quotes, and Tannhauser, which was the piece of music. So both those pieces, nothing in, you know, before Schreiber, and, you know, not connected with Schreiber. But, so you know, that just means they're part of the culture as well, but it's interesting that those pieces are. And they're both about kind of redemption, I suppose, in a way, a man who's... who's you know, in Tannhauser, the hero starts off in a kind of a, a, a hell of pleasure that, he's, that he has to try and get away from. So it's a kind of maternal embrace, you know, but it's like death. And, he, and, and it's about getting away from that and then, you know, being kind of redeemed. And in Don Giovanni, I suppose, there's a similar kind of thing. Yeah, it seems that he, he, he was not really into too much the music of his time. I mean, incredible avant-garde music, huh? piano, you know, uh, so... <coughs> well, I, don't think he, I, know, I don't think he was, he was kind of open to that, but... Uh, as I said, what I wanted to do with it is to, is to turn it into a kind of... Um, this idea of the earworm, you know, which is this jingle which is stuck in your head. And now I've got it stuck in my head, that phrase. <laughs> I can't, you know, I wake up with that sound because I process it so much. It's obviously very epical, you know, Wagner. I've got to try and find the... But I wonder if there is a, I mean... Okay, here it is. I've written find and loop here. Look. Richard Wagner, for instance, uh, where the reference is 10, so it's... Um, Souls completely cleansed by the process of purification has ascended to heaven and so gained the state of blessedness. This consisted of uninterrupted enjoyment combined with the contemplation of God. The idea of perpetual idleness is unbearable for a human being because man is accustomed to work and, as the proverb says, it is only work which makes life sweet for him. But one must remember that souls are different from human beings and therefore it is not permissible to gauge their feelings by human standards. 10. Richard Wagner, for instance, as if with some insight into these things, makes Tannhauser <coughs> say in the ecstasy of love, Alas, your love overwhelms me. Perpetual enjoyment is only for gods. I, as a mortal, am subject to change. Ivan, you seem to start on... Um, a, a line of thought with regards to Schreiber's memoirs and, and meaning and the notion of their, those memoirs as the attempt to inscribe meaning into a psychotic um, uh, manifestation. Um, but it seems that the, the whole, at least notionally, psychosis is, is somehow resistant to meaning and um, there's something antithetical about trying to inscribe meaning and narrative and understanding into a psychotic Appearance, and I wondered whether that then opens up um, a psychotic episode like this to um, artistic pursuits that don't, as it were, advocate so formally um, uh, the symbolic order. So you get 
your work, which is which is yeah, something yeah, I think you, you, get, you get skits or writing, but as a retiree interested in Schreiber or, or or even as you mentioned, concrete and sound poetry, which is absolutely about the disruption and recalibration of the symbolic order through language. Do yeah. you think that, that, that But that's precisely what Schreiber's doing in the book. He's recalibrating the symbolic order. Mm. And he's making a new you know, he, his world's collapsed. I mean the primary fantasy is that the whole world has disappeared and it has and somehow it has to be reconstituted. Mm. And it's through the you know, this fantasy of being turned into a woman and then being able to repopulate the world by being impregnated by God, that's a kind of global fantasy. Mm. That he's then recreating a whole new symbolic order in extreme detail. And then, and then writing the book to explain himself. He wants to explain does he go far himself. Enough? I mean, I'm thinking yeah. of an analogue with Artaud where, where language, language itself fractures. In, 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 in the fit of psychosis, he resorts to cries and screams, uh, which you mentioned before. So it seems like, the, I don't want to say authentic, but the, the, the more, what? as it were, immediate manifestation of psychosis was screaming at the table. And that the attempt to reinscribe his experience into a narrative yeah, might be he, almost disavowing the, the, the well, intensity he, of that. No, no, absolutely. I think that there's obviously it's an illusion that he can do that, of yeah. course. So underneath yeah. there's something else going on on an emotional level. I think for Artaud, the, that kind of um, glossolalia you know, is all, has a kind of encounter, you know, it's a kind of incantation mm. to allow him to. I wouldn't say, you know, to enter into that poetic state, mm. you know? But it's ritualistic and hence its recurrence in his poetics. Yeah. I mean, one of the That's miracles... Right. One of the interesting miracles is the, the not finishing a sentence miracle. <laughs> so it's where... So, so thoughts are thrown into Schreiber's head, but they're just fragments. Yeah. And then Schreiber's nerves are compelled to complete the thinking, you know? So... So, you know, somebody comes up to him and says, my name's Mr. Sh Sh uh, Schneider. Mm -hmm. you know, and Schreiber then has, into his head comes the, the, the voice, you know, but why? <laughs> why? Because, you know. So, so he has to try and work it. So he has to start thinking, this man is Mr. Schneider. Now, why is he called Mr. Schneider? Well, because his father's name was Schneider, but you know, that's rather a trivial explanation. You know? So why were people given names in the first place? And what do different names mean? And what are they, are they related to history and people's jobs? So he goes into this kind of immense kind of sense of trying to find something out, because he has to complete the, this chain of thought. And, and interestingly, you know, and this is where you get the relationship between language and I suppose what Lacan would call jouissance, which is he completes this chain of thought and the reason why God is trying to prevent that is because in his case, in Schreiber's case, he experiences a sensation of voluptuousness yeah. when he, yeah. complete, when he uh, you know, uh, comes to the completion of a sentence. Mm. And that's absolutely brilliant. You know, the idea that we complete a sentence oh, yeah. and the completion of the <coughs> sentence, when at the end of a sentence is when we, we pin the meaning down of the sentence that we know what the beginning means. Mm. Unlike Lacan thinking it's just to do with signs and signifiers and, and signs, because now we're thinking of sentences, and that the sensation of voluptuousness, some kind of libidinal circuit, is being moved 
in the completion of a sentence. I mean, that, I think that's absolutely brilliant in terms of thinking about things like where language comes from, what it's well, about, so what we have it for. German language is how the, the sentence structure. But it's in any sense, in any sense, in any language. Chomsky, that's why, why Chomsky's structural linguistics is so much more significant than a linguistics based on Saussure or anybody else dealing just with the signifier. Of course, it's much it's because of, that's the structure, the sentence. Well, an, another take, I think, is thinking about a language and institutional power because the, the, the key um, word... Um, that we heard at the end of your performance, Luda. You know? mm -hmm. So um, Schreber is here, this voice of God saying Luda. And, it, and all the text by the Sato is based about this nomination because Schreber was nominated president of the Court of Appel. So there was a double nomination. In the moment he was nominated in the most powerful position, he was authorized. He was authorized. So this is a kind of counter authorization or become a rotten person because mm. it's like to say all institutions are rotten. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like uh, to give a kind of counter um, yeah, vision of what an institution is and how, how it knowledge got, how it got to be like that. is transmitted through. What's underneath it all? What is the, the quote by De Soto that uh, knowledge takes the, the root? The transmission of knowledge takes the root of the rotten. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes on to say that it allows the institution to remain the same. It's, it's, in, it's in, the, in that text. Um, he also talks about, um, there's a lot of mysticism in it, and references to torture as well, and um, uh, the given names and assumed names, mystical names. And yeah, it seems there is a line, I mean, what is trying to highlight is this kind of uh, relationship between psychoanalysis, mysticism, and torture, and torture and power, institutional mm. power. So there's like this level of interpretation, and which I find quite interesting. And institutional right is just, a fan, just such a fantastic name. <laughs> it's like I kind of seized upon it at the time, and you know, it's, it's it seemed to it seemed to embody everything that I was kind of interested in. You know, I was working through this whole uh, process of, of decay. Um, which, of course, a, a Traber is obsessed with his with bodily decay and his decomposition, his putrefaction. And two, two, two things come to mind. Do, do you know um, North by Northwest? Yeah. I mean, in North by Northwest, there's Roger Thornton is the hero, Cary Grant. And, and, uh, and there's one point when he, he has a personalised little book of matches that he throws down, and it's... R O T, Roger O Thornton, R O T Rot, and then and then uh, Every Saint says, "What does the O stand for?" And he says, "Nothing." It's the <laughs> hole in the middle of his first, you know, and that's yeah, it. And, that and the other, it, I mean, it's yeah. a brilliant thing, you know. And, and and the other thing, much more personal to me, is one of my key analytic dreams, was. And this might sound a bit strange if you're not into cricket, but dreaming of a cricket ball, <laughs> a cricket ball, a mystical object, you know, a sort of symbolic uh, religious object, which sort of came apart, and inside it was kind of rotting and putrefying, and kind of, you know, so it's this kind of sense of 
the cricket will represent in the body, really, you know, and then it opens and it's putrefying inside. Well, old-fashioned as I am, I, can't, I have to say, Agitated it's the castration flesh. complex. <laughs> <laughs> that is what the wolf man had to look at when he, you know, that is what, you know, I mean, it... <laughs> well, we can carry on. And now, uh, well, now I want to I talk to about say, it. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, but, uh, that must, is there any more questions? Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's, in, it's, it's time that Schraber entered into. Came here to to, to Freud's, Freud's house. Taking a hundred years. Taking a hundred years. To yep. his way in somehow. Yeah, I mean through the door, you know. No, <laughs> no I think Schreiber's been here before. But the other thing, um, which you know, obviously it's sound performance is the main thing. But one of the kind of key elements of Schreiber's delusion and his kind of the impulsions that he, he has is the impulsion to look. And there's one point where, where he says, well, rays, after all, want to see what pleases them. And they're basically female beings or their own miracles, which gives them the joy of having created something. And it's kind of that sense of you know, I sometimes sort of think about that in relation to Freud looking at his objects or, mm. you know, th this idea that you spoke about of contemplating God, you know, that sort of, you know, yeah. the interesting... I mean, I, I, I found it fascinating when I discovered that while a, a patient was on the couch, Freud would be there touching his uh, collection of objects. I'm not sure whether, whether that would be a... So that he could tune in, maybe, to kind of like another, another uh, space, you know, yeah. in order for him to open up. I think, to, well, for Freud, touching, and looking, touching yeah. and looking are pretty close, so maybe you could think of it as, you know... When I, I, Freud I read that somewhere, that he <coughs> occasionally might pick up an object, but, but I mean... But, but I Just think, sort of inspiring. Yeah. No, I think you're right, I think... <laughs> Freud basically connects up touching and looking. Looking is just another form of touching for him. So even if he wasn't physically touching, I think that would be... You could yeah. say that. And but they're like sort of devices. They're like for him to kind of yeah, enter I mean, another space. And that's what I was kind of interested in. Just to go back to the thing that you started with. I mean, Freud uses the expression that the analyst has to bend his unconscious like a receptive organ to the unconscious of the other. Hmm. And another way of putting that is to use the radio antenna metaphor, that you have to kind of tune in to the unconscious of the other. But it's two kind of metaphors there. There's the, the idea of a receptive organ, you know, and the receptive organ is basically, well, there are two receptive organs, an ear and a vagina, it's two receptive organs. So you have to take that feminine position. All this tuning in to you know, using the antenna. And so, so that Freud's stance in the analytic position is very much like Radio Schreiber. I think he is trying to tune in and, and trying to hear yeah. what's coming on the way to receive, you know, yeah. to receive, to receive. In, that, in that way. To well, I think that, that how this old project started, it was very much by a simple observation that uh, sound, music and 
um, what sound and music in general has in common with psychoanalysis that is uh, uh, listening practice, is a practice based on listening. And uh, what is the relationship between psychoanalytical listening and musical listening? It could be another kind of discussion, but this is what really brought this idea to come here and you know, to have a sound performance in a in the yeah. museum. Yeah. yeah, I think that's no, very good, very good. I mean, I, I played some of these sound files to the Shabirians in, in the conference during, you know, this, what was billed as a sound intervention by me. But I, I did say this is, I think it's more of a kind of collective listening space, mm. you know. And then I got one comment from um, Schreiber's Angel, who mm. called him, C. Lothane, is saying, Yes, you, 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 you managed to kind of portray or to, to get that idea of the, of the insomnia and the, the, the lack of the sleeplessness that provoked so many of these. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've been editing this piece for about a, a week, doing various mixes and getting totally um, hearing, hearing things while I'm going off to sleep and everything. You know, it's, it's, kind, of effect, it's kind of affected. So it's. But I like that. I mean, that's that's part of it, mm. definitely. I wanted to enter the work like that. Uh, I I feel like you know this 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 work has in a sense kind of contaminated me. You know, there's an obsession there. But I think that's. Well, you've got one cross contaminant here, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for coming.